Welcome to the Be Your Best Self podcast. My name is Becky Taylor and I'm a transformational coach dedicated to helping every individual to become and continue to be the very best version of themselves possible. Each week I'm so incredibly lucky to have the opportunity to chat with people who have been massively influential in my life in the hope that their knowledge can in some way benefit you on your journey of transformation from who you were yesterday to who you dream of being tomorrow. On this episode, I have my absolute favorite podcast idol king, Sean Croxton, joining me. Now, Sean's from San Diego and hosts my two favorite ever podcasts, the Sean Croxton Sessions, which finished up in 2017, but you can still listen to on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and the Quote of the Day Show. And his Quote of the Day Show podcast is what I call a tequila shot for the soul. It's about a 12-minute podcast one for each day of the week, and features some of the most incredible people on this planet sharing their infinite wisdom. I like to play this while I'm getting ready in the morning, and it always gets me pumped for the day. It's like my very own cheer squad reminding me of why I do what I do. Now, Sean is a self-proclaimed nerd whose idea of a good time is lying in bed and reading or rereading a book wandering around random bookstores or strolling around his neighborhood, listening to personal development seminars while obsessing over steps on his Fitbit. Sean says that he's always been this way and there was a time when he kept everything he learned pretty much to himself. Then in 2007, he stumbled across this thing called YouTube where he created one of the first health-based video channels on the internet, sharing seemingly complicated health matters in a way everyone could understand. And that's Sean's natural ability. That's his talent to be able to communicate these really complex ideas and philosophies and workings in science in a really easy to understand way. So soon then after, in 2008, he launched his first podcast, Underground Wellness Radio, which again, you can still listen to on iTunes and Apple Podcasts on which he interviewed authors and experts in the alternative health space. This program ran for seven years with over 10 million downloads and 348 episodes about all things real food and functional medicine with a sprinkle of personal development on the side. Now, during his seven years with Underground Wellness, Sean penned his still popular Dark Side of Fat Loss ebook started the JERF, Just Eat Real Food movement, and hosted seven online summits with events including the thyroid sessions, digestion sessions, and the depression sessions. In late 2015, Sean walked away from his thriving underground wellness brand to create a new movement in the world of personal development and the science of the mind. The nerd in him couldn't stop wondering what makes people do what they do And what makes people not do the things that they really want to do? And this is where I first came across Sean Croxton. Now, Sean's become an ardent student of the mind, studying the timeless works of Neville Goddard, Henry Thomas Hamlin, Napoleon Hill, Ernest Holmes and Bob Proctor. His goal is to blend the vintage works of these writers with the more modern research in the field of neurology and to teach 1 million people how to use their minds to give and get 
everything they want. And I couldn't be happier to help support, encourage and share this message because it's so in alignment with my values and my belief systems as well. So let's not waste another second and welcome the incredible Sean Croxton to the show. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for joining me today. I can't begin to describe how excited and grateful I am. And I just know that everyone who listens to this podcast is going to be a much better version of themselves just by being immersed in the wisdom that you are so open to sharing with the world. Oh, the pressure, the pressure. Thanks for having me, Becky. (laughs) No worries. Before we get started, though, I like to ask all of my guests a question. And the reason for this is I find so many of my coaching clients terrified of allowing themselves to do this one thing and even more afraid of other people seeing them do that. And what that one thing, believe it or not, is crying. So if you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing with our listeners when the last time was that you cried and why? Oh, man. I think the last time I had a good cry Oh, it's been a long time, Becky. I think it was when my, my uncle passed away um, about a year and a couple months ago. I think that was the last time. It, was a, it wasn't like a good cry, but it was a cry. Yeah, that would be it. That was my main man. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. And but I, do te- I do tear up in movies every once in a while where I'm just okay. like, you know, my eyes are all blinking and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want anybody to see me crying in this movie. But um, yeah, but big one, I guess a bigger one was my uncle died. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing. So as you know, I'm a transformational coach and the reason I have experienced and my clients have experienced such incredible change in their lives is because we work on a subconscious level and we reprogram these limiting beliefs that are stored in our subconscious mind. And these beliefs are things like not being good enough, not being lovable, not being able to speak our truth, believing that money is bad. And they're all programmed into us at such a young age. And that's where I'd like to start our chat if we can, because, you know, we're all told that babies and children are like little sponges. They just absorb everything, but there's actually a whole lot more to that. And so much of this has to do with the brain states that we're in during childhood. And because when we're small, We believe everything we see, feel, and hear to be true. And it's not just what we experience firsthand, i.e. what somebody says to us or potentially does to us, but also the emotional environment that we're in. Like we pick up on the energy around us. Just because mum and dad didn't fight in front of us doesn't mean that we didn't know that they weren't angry at each other. So would you mind sharing your knowledge on these brain states during childhood and how what is programmed into our subconscious during those early years of our life ultimately produces our reality as adults absolutely yeah um i like how you said how our beliefs kind of produce our reality um our beliefs really shape our worlds um they help us to live inside of our worlds if we didn't have beliefs life would be very scary because every new situation every situation would be new You would go into every situation with a blank state and, you know, the brain really likes safety. The brain really likes survival. So when you come into this world, for the most part, you have a blank slate. Now, there are some lines of thinking where you actually come in with some wisdom from past lives and past generations and things like that. I don't know for sure. But what I do know is that there are different brainwave states. And so we'll just say, for example, the ones we're going to cover today are Delta, Theta, Alpha 
and beta. Now, delta is kind of like when you're falling asleep. You know, you're kind of just a little tired. Your eyes are hard to, to keep open and you're, you're falling asleep. That's a really slow wave. That's a delta wave. Now, when you come into the world between the ages of zero or birth to about two years, you're primarily in a delta state. This is why babies just fall asleep and they're up for a the while, then they'll fall asleep, right? Because of the brainwave state. Now, during this time, and I'm sure that your listeners are familiar with the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and how the subconscious mind is like, there's a filter for the subconscious mind. Like the conscious mind says, okay, here's some information. Am I going to believe it? Or am I not going to believe it? Is this good? Is it not good? Do I want to hold on to this or do I want to get rid of it? But when the, subcon when the conscious mind, I should say, accepts some information, it pushes it down to the subconscious mind so the subconscious mind can do its thing with it, right? But here's the thing. When you are born, and when you're in this delta wave state, you don't have that filter. Your conscious mind isn't really there. You do not have an ability to critically think. You do not have an ability to edit any incoming information. So we have to consider what is the incoming information between the ages of birth to two? Where is it coming from? It is coming from the authorities in our lives. It's coming from mom, it's coming from dad, it's coming from your cousins, it's coming from the priest, it's coming from characters and media and shows that you're watching. You know, I think this is one thing that we really have to be aware of or make ourselves conscious of is what we watch on TV. You know, you watch something like the Titanic, you watch the movie. It's really interesting because the rich people are above deck fighting amongst each other. They've got all these problems. And then all the poor people are below deck dancing and drinking beer and having like a dance off and whatnot. And so like programs your subconscious mind, rich people are bad, they got drama, poor people are good and they have dance offs, dance offs every night, right? But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, here's the thing. When people around you are saying stuff, money is bad, you're not good enough, that's a, we don't do things like that, on and on, you did not have the ability to reject that. All you could do was accept it. And if you think about it this way, if we have a glass, an empty glass, and we'll just say that empty glass is your subconscious mind, and we're filling it up with sand, the sand that goes first is the sand that goes to the bottom of the glass. And so this information from your authorities, these beliefs that you're pretty much inheriting, inheriting from the authorities go down to the bottom of the subconscious mind. They are deep in there. And then as you get older, you don't even know that it's there. And you're wondering why you're doing all this stuff that doesn't make sense. You're sabotaging yourself and all this because you got some stuff in there. Now, what's really interesting is like between the ages of birth to two, we don't really have a great sense of language. We can't communicate well. We don't understand communication very well. We're learning. So one thing we have in our brains is what's called mirror neurons. We are learning how to feel. And the, these mirror neurons are learning how to feel from the people who are around us. And so, you know, if you've got a baby today and you're always in a bad mood, you are teaching that baby how to be in a bad mood. You're teaching that baby how to feel and you're filling up the subconscious mind with bad feelings and not so good beliefs. There could be some good stuff in there as well, but today we'll, well, today we'll focus on the bad stuff, unfortunately. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to drag this out for too long. I'll kind of give you the shorter version because I don't really have so much time. But between two and six, your brain is in a theta state. It's called a hypnogogic state, or a state of brain waves, I should say. Now, if you've ever watched a hypnotist do his or her thing to a subject, that subject is in a theta state. 
this the subject is in a trance-like state. So between the ages of two and six, you are literally in a trance-like like state. You are downloading all of this information for people around, around you. You're being encultured or, or enculturated, whatever the word is. You're becoming accustomed to the culture of your surroundings. And so again, you're accepting all these beliefs. You're accepting behaviors. You're accepting words as facts into your subconscious mind. Now, one more I want to give you is between the ages of six and 12 or so, you're in an alpha state. You're less suggestible. Your brain is actually starting to build that critical layer. You're starting to build that conscious mind. You're beginning to be able to accept or reject information. And you're establishing, establishing some sense of self. You're becoming your own person. But here's the thing. It's really interesting when you think about this. Because since we inherit the beliefs of the people around us, since they are our parents' beliefs, since they become our friends' beliefs, since they, be, they, were our, they were our priests or whatever authorities' beliefs, we need those beliefs in order to survive in our tribe. And if we buck those beliefs, if we say, I don't want to be, believe that anymore, what happens is that there's a possibility that we'll get kicked out of the tribe. So we have this condition. I call it the seven C's of human belief systems. We have the conditioning, which is what I just talked about, that helps us to develop our core beliefs. And then what happens is we look for anything that's going to confirm these beliefs. So we get a group of friends who confirm these beliefs. We read certain articles and books and we watch TV. If you're a Democrat and you were raised that way, you're going to watch CNN or MSNBC because it's confirmation bias. It confirms everything that you believe. If you are a conservative, you're going to watch Fox News because it confirms everything you believe. Because to believe otherwise, again, means you might get kicked out of the tribe. We become conformist. And people don't want to be nonconformist because of fear. Because one thing that we all need, and pardon me for going on a big monologue about this, but I love this topic. One thing... And this is how the human brain is programmed. One thing that we all need, and this is the third level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is we need community. We need belonging. And we need to have a, this concept of us versus them. Who are we and who are they? Who am I and who am I not? And because of this way that we're wired is very, very, very challenging for us to believe otherwise than what we were programmed to believe during those very impressionable years uh, um, in our early lives. And I'll stop talking. <laughs> I could just listen to you talk all day. So it's all good. <laughs> and so just on that topic, when we talk about our tribe and needing to belong, when we sort of start down this personal development road and we reflect back on our past and our programming, our beliefs, and a lot of it comes from our environment, the people we're around, our parents, family, it's sort of like this dance that goes back and forth between trying not to blame them, but also still recognizing that they were quite influential on us, but then also being compassionate and going, this is all they knew. So it's not about, it's not about blaming. It's that everybody does the best with what they have at every exactly. point in time but then once we start to become aware or once we're going once we open our minds i suppose going okay so i'm seeing this pattern is repeating or i keep self-sabotaging maybe or i know where i want to be but i can't get there and i just stay on this hamster wheel 
those sort of that time in our life, what does that look like for people who are just starting out with that? And especially around money, because that's what I wanted to chat about today. How can we recognize that we're repeating these things and that we have these belief systems and having the ability to stop and go, where are these actually coming from? Are these mine? Well, you recognize it by looking at your behavior. You look at the things that you do. You look at the things that you really want to do, but you sabotage yourself over and over again. And what's happening there is a conflict. Now, now just to, to further answer your question there, um, due to the fact that you know where your conditioning comes, comes from, look at the results of your parents. So if your parents were not financially successful, you might want to look at them and say, okay, what was I, what were they saying? Like, for example, during a period of my life, because the first 10 years of my life were, were, you know, my family was fairly prosperous, right? My dad worked really hard. My mom had a good job. The second, after that first 10 years, my parents got divorced. It was completely different. And so during that time, there was a lot of us versus them. Um, those people are this way and we're this way and we're not invited to do what they do and we're not, you know, um, the only way for us to get rich is to win the lottery, on and on and on. A lot of coupon cutting, you know, a lot of money is scarce. And so you got to look back at your childhood and, and think about what were those beliefs? What were those thoughts? What was your parents or whoever, whatever authority that was around you, what was their way of thinking when it came to money? And you better believe that their way of thinking has become your way of thinking. You just haven't really stopped to think about it yet. But when you stop and think about it, you go, oh my gosh, I was conditioned by someone else. Now, what happens here is, again, this conditioning, you know, again, talking about the glass, the sand going in the glass, it's deep. It's really, really, really deep in there. Now, what we tend to do is we run into conflicts and the brain does not like conflicts. And so, for example, we might use our prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of the brain. And the front part of the brain is involved with goal setting, decision making, um, planning, things of that sort. Now, we might let our front of our brain decide on a goal. So maybe the new year just came around. You're like, okay, this is the year where I'm going to make $100,000, right? Now, you know that about three weeks from then, you're going to completely forget about your goal. That's what happens to everybody. Now, the question is why? It is because your subconscious mind, there's actually a, a little spot in your brain called the amygdala. It is your emotional processing center. It is also your fear center. So of all your emotions, it puts fear in front because, of course, the brain wants you to survive. Now, that fear works on associations. And so it says, oh, you know, somebody told us a long time ago that money's bad. Somebody proved to us a long time ago that money is terrible and people with money are, are these terrible people. Now, what happens is the amygdala remembers that stuff. And so when we set this conscious goal, what it does is it fires up something in the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. And the anterior cingulate cortex is the brain's conflict center. And that cingulate cortex goes, hmm, conscious mind here is saying, let's go get this money. Subconscious mind here is going, or when I say subconscious mind, I mean this amygdala, which is part of it. Subconscious mind says money is bad. People with money are greedy. It's us versus them on and on. And what the, the intention, I'm sorry, the conflict center does is it sends a message to that fear center. It says, hey, this person's trying to make some money. And the, the fear center goes, all right, I'm going to screw this whole thing up. Check this out. 
and it sends a message to the prefrontal cortex to screw up our ability to make decisions. It screws up our ability to take actions. It screws up our ability to imagine things, and it just turns the whole thing off, and that's why we sabotage our goals. Now, what we're going to want to do, and this is the whole idea behind you know, Money Mind Academy and what I do, is to use the conscious mind to become aware of those conflicts. And by using the conscious mind to become aware of those conflicts and to use logic to understand that the beliefs that we have about money are absolutely ridiculous, you know, and I can go on and on about that all day. When you do that and you become committed to it, it turns off that conflict center because the conflict is no longer there, which will allow you to move in the direction of the, that you want to move. I want to give you one more just real quick because I think it's so important. One thing that human beings, one thing that drives human beings to take actions is values. Values are our preferences, right? And so a really common value, especially, you know, on earth, especially in the United States for me and very likely in Australia for you, one big value is equality. It is huge, right? However, if to you equality means that all people must make the same amount of money, you will have a serious conflict because every time you pursue more financial abundance for yourself, you're going to feel like you're taking more of your fair, fair share and you're violating your value of equality. And so the brain looks at these conflicts and it goes, nope, we got a conflict. Let's shut it down. It becomes a major problem. Yeah. And that those values and these belief systems, like we're focusing on money today, but they extend out into every single area of our life. And like talking about that self-sabotaging, if the brain goes, no, you know what, we've got this belief system about money. So as soon as I start to make some, I'm going to spend it, or I'm going to waste it or whatever. And it's probably easier for us to pick up on how we self-sabotage in core, like, because we're afraid, I guess, of failure. But that's something I want to talk about too, is that we also do it because it's like we're afraid of success as well. Like we, we recognize in ourselves the fear of failure, but we also have this fear of success too. How would people be able to recognize that really clearly? Um, they should just know they have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> most, most people have a fear of failure. Most people have a fear of success. And so that's just something that I think if you're having issues attracting money into your life, know that you either have one of them or you have both. For most people, See, here's the thing. For most people, there's a belief system underneath that drives this whole thing. But even bigger than that is standing out. It's the responsibility. It's about going out into the unknown. It's about, will I be able to handle it if I fail? It's, will I be able to handle it if I succeed? If I, it's, will I be able to handle it when, not if, when I am criticized? Will I be able to handle it when my core group of friends and my family are completely against this new goal that I have? You know, going back to the conformity, we've lived this way our entire lives and we've attracted people who agree with us, who are on the same vibration as us. Now we want to do something on a whole other vibration. People around us are going to want to suck us down. And that is like the biggest, that's, it's, it's, it's really, you know, when I taught Money Mind Academy the first time, there was something that was just missing. And 
you know, I thought about it and it was, it, it was self-esteem. That's really what it was. I mean, if you look at, and it's so cool when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, there's food and shelter there on the bottom. You know, you take care of those needs and you move up to the next level, which is going to be safety and security. So, you know, food and safety, we all need that. Um, safety and security, you know, finan financial security, the job that we're at, we don't want to lose our job on and on and on, even though we hate our job and it doesn't pay us enough, but well, we don't want to lose it. Um, then we move up to the next level, which is going to be belonging in our community. So our group of friends, we want to belong. But the next level on top of that is self-esteem. And the thing about self-esteem and self-esteem is really like, um, am I capable of handling the challenges of life? Am I capable of handling the challenges that are going to come to me when I go on this journey toward financial abundance? Most people, if they, if they answered honestly, are going to say, no, I don't feel I can handle it. Now, the second part of self-esteem is this, am I worthy? of this financial abundance? Do I deserve this financial abundance? And I will tell you 90% of people you ask that question, if they answer honestly, will say no. Now here comes the issue. We've talked about this already. In the pursuit of self-esteem, in the pursuit of financial abundance, you violate the three layers below that because you violate your belonging, right? You violate your security, your financial security because you're gonna have to go do something else if you wanna be financially abundant. And there's a chance that you'll violate the bottom layer, which is putting food on the table, having a shelter over your head. And so what it really takes is a lot of courage. It really takes a lot of belief in yourself to go out there into the world and go claim what is yours despite the good and the bad opinion of others. But we are so stuck in a society where we care so much about what people think about us and we go to our graves, never really doing the thing that we wanted to do just so we can fit in. And we have to stop that stuff. We have to understand like my life and your life is important enough to stand out, you know, to shine, you know, because, you know, like Marianne Williamson says or something like when you shine, it gives other people permission to shine as well, but we're afraid of shining. And that goes back to our childhood, you know, being taught not to, not to stick out, not to show out, you know, not to act like you're better than somebody else and on and on. So there's so many layers to this and um, it takes time to kind of unwind them. But once you do it, and I know exactly how this, this feels because I had to go through it myself, you feel so much better about yourself as a person. You really feel and you know that you can do anything you want to. And so what's just quickly, what process have you followed? What are the steps that you've taken? And then how do we find that courage within to stand out? Uh, for me, I had some serious issues around money. Um, when I first started underground wellness, there was so much possibility and potential for to make a business out of it. There's tons of YouTube subscribers, but I just, I couldn't make the pitch. I couldn't make the sale. I thought everybody was going to think I was a sellout and such. And I listened to a, a friend of mine sent me a, an interview by John Demartini. And I learned, the first thing I learned about money mindset was values. Like, what are your top five values? A financial, a freedom, um, saving, earning, investing money. If that's not in your top five values or so, you're going to sabotage it. Because there's things that are more important than it. You know, those top five values that you have, you're inspired to do them. 
You don't need anybody to like push you to do them. You just do them. They're automatic. You don't have to ask me to read a book. You know, that's just, that's my highest value right there. You don't have to ask me to teach somebody some stuff. That's one of my highest values right there. You don't have to ask me to work out. That's one of my highest values right there. Right. However, for a lot of people, if financial abundance is low on your values, your hierarchy of values, the lower it goes, the more motivation you're going to need. And this is why everybody gets motivated at the beginning of the year. And then that motiva- motivation is always short-lived. You have to continue to get motivated over and over and over and over again. And that's an impossible thing to do. So what I had to do was find out how myself becoming more financially abundant was going to enhance my reading, my teaching, my social life, my business, um, my health as well. And when I did that, when I wrote down all those ways in which me becoming financially abundant would benefit the things that I value, that's when the light or the, the, the fire got lit under me where I was like, okay, I see how earning money and saving money and investing money can enhance all of the cool stuff that I have going on right now. And I can see what more impact I can have in this world if I do the thing that I love in order to make money. So that for me was the biggest thing. And also like developing more and more self-esteem from doing my YouTube channel and putting myself out there in the world and, and getting people or just learning and knowing the fact that I can actually change people. I can, I can change people myself, but help people to change themselves was an amazing thing. What was the second part of your question? How did they develop the courage? The courage is all about like the big why. Like you have to have more reasons to be financially free than you have reasons to not be financially free. And that goes back to how your value on making money or being financially free is going to benefit the things that you've got going on right now. Like what could you do with your family if you doubled your income? You know, what could you do um, in your, with traveling? A lot of people have a high value on traveling. You can fly first class, go wherever you want. Uh, what about your value on health? You can buy all of the real healthy food that you want to buy. You know, you can have the best doctors. You can get a personal trainer. All of these things that get enhanced by you earning income through doing the thing that you love, you know, by serving other people. And once you see all those reasons and, you know, you understand that it's a process, that little by little, a little becomes a lot, you know, which is my philosophy on life. When you understand that it's a process, it's going to slowly happen over time and not going to happen overnight. You start to develop the courage to put one foot in front of the other. And, you know, a year or two from now, you're going to have the financial abundance that you want. It may take longer. It may take shorter. It just depends on, you know, how much you believe in yourself. And so if people do start putting themselves out there and they get, um, you know, they're not getting the support that they'd hoped. And if anything, they're um, getting, you know, receiving criticism and those sorts of things from people really close to them. What's some advice when that happens for people? Um, If you're getting this criticism from your friends and, you know, you've, number one, let me just go back a little bit. Number one, if you know you're not going to get support from your inner circle, don't tell them what you're doing. They just don't need to know. You don't need the negativity. You know, typically when we want to do big things, you know, people are like, oh, you can't do that. Or somebody else tried that. It didn't work. And they just bring a negativity, which makes you doubt yourself. So don't tell them. Keep your goal secret. Um, if people aren't supportive, like if your inner circle is not supportive, you know, I love what Bob Proctor says about this. He says, um, go less often. Don't stay as long, you know, and that's it. Don't hang out with them as much. And when you do, don't stay as long as you used to stay and go find some new friends. 
you know, Lisa Rankin, Dr. Lisa Rankin was on my show a couple of years ago, and she talked about the empty elevator syndrome. And it just means that when you're raising your vibration, when you're going out there and trying to create something new and better and, and awesome in your life, there's going to be a point where you got to let the people in your life get off the elevator. You're going to have to ride that thing up to where you're going by yourself sometimes. But as you're going up, your vibration is going to attract new people into your life that are on the same vibration as you. And then next thing you know, you got a crowded elevator and you've hit the top and you got to get off. And there's like a whole party up there with new people who are on the same wavelength as you are. But it's about having the patience and understanding and having the expectation that that's something that's just going to happen. And like Jim Rohn says, you become the average of the five people who you hang out with the most. Your circle is you and you've attracted them through the vibration that you had when you met them. See, the thing about relationships is, you know, relationships are agreements and we make agreements to how we're going to show up. And the way that we showed up when we met those people is the way that they think we're always going to be. And so when we change, they get concerned that you're going to leave. And there's a really good chance that if they don't rise up with you, that you are going to leave, but you'll just find more people. There was a second part of your question. I've forgotten it already. I apologize. Um, yeah, it's all good. Blow <laughs> the way that they're supposed to. <laughs> all right. So I know we're getting short on time now. Just a couple of things before we finish. Where can people find you? Facebook, Instagram, web? Uh, yeah, SeanCroxton.com is the website. I'm on Instagram at Sean Croxton. I'm on Facebook at Sean Croxton, but I very seldom use that anymore. My podcast is called The Quote of the Day Show. It's a five-day-a-week, Monday through Friday show where we feature speakers. So if you uh, want to get up in the morning and just get, like, fired up and just learn some wisdom. It doesn't, it's not always super motivational. It's inspirational. You learn about yourself. You vibrate at a higher level throughout the day. You learn about business. Is that something you want to? You learn about uh, we have Finance Fridays where we talk about all things money mindset. And um, it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, I love the fact that people get to wake up and be inspired. Absolutely. And the only way I describe the quote of the day show is like it's a tequila shot for your soul. And it's the best thing. (laughs) Tequila's not great first thing in the morning, but this kind of tequila is. So the thing is over here, like we're, we're a bit ahead of you guys. So like Monday's Tuesday, but that's all good. Um, Yeah. And finally, what's, what's one thing people can do every single day to be the best them possible? Have a goal have a goal. That's huge. Um, Many people walk through life without a goal. And when you don't have a goal, you don't have a direction for your life. You're scattered all over the place. And when you're scattered, there's nothing to wake up and look forward to. You know, every morning, I have this book, actually, it's not right next to me, but it usually is. It's my goal book. My big goals are in there. My milestones are in there. And, you know, who I need to be, I write down every day. I, I am such and such. I am courageous. I am confident. I am calm. I am grateful. I write down all 10 things that I'm grateful for, which really helps to shift the spotlight of your mind to the positive things. It makes you grateful for the things that you have and the things that are coming. But you need to have a goal. I'll recommend a book. It's called uh, Goals by Brian Tracy. Fantastic book. I'm going to have a, a, a program on my website you can join called um, Gold Achiever Academy in the next month or so. So you can be, be about four to six weeks on like how to set like really, really good goals. Because when you have that goal, you know, again, you have a destination, you have a direction, your whole life changes. 
yeah for sure and also there's goal and there's purpose that that flows into that as well it's fantastic to have a goal and it's even better when we find our purpose as well it makes life so much more mm -hmm. fulfilling and interesting too you know when you're on purpose it's not so much about the money you know money right. is just a natural byproduct of that and the mm -hmm. more the more money that we can make the more we can share our purpose and ultimately you know help to improve mankind world peace through inner peace yeah, go out there and serve, serve people. That's what life is all about. Life is all about giving. You will never get anything in your life if you're not giving. You know, yeah. it just doesn't happen. It is, it's just not how the world works. And so go out there, find out what you have to give. And everybody has something to give. Even if you got a dollar, give away 10 cents or 20 cents. And you'll be like, I just wrote about this in my, my newsletter this morning. You'll be surprised what happens when you just become a giver. The universe just says, all right, you're participating in the flow. Here you go. And it's a beautiful thing. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I so appreciate it. I was so thrilled when you um, agreed to come on this podcast. So thank you. I hope you have an incredible Friday afternoon and weekend. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Becky. Thanks, Sean. Bye. Yeah, bye. How incredible was that? If you want to hear more episodes like this, please subscribe via iTunes and feel free to follow me on Facebook by searching Becky Taylor transformational coach and that's spelled b-e-c-k-i-e or my website is beckytaylor.com have an amazing day keep shining bright infinite love and gratitude